What is happening, everybody? We're back again, another episode of the Off Track Experience. Super excited to bring you guys this one. I sit down with an absolute legend, this is Devin Cooper. Now, me and Dev met a little while ago through a mutual friend, Joe McDonald, and hit it off straight away. Just one of those guys that's super easy to get along with and super just down to earth and chilled out. Now, Devin's main focus now is photography and videography, mainly focusing on ocean photography and videography, and does an absolutely epic job and really really takes passion in his work and really loves it. He's one of those people that when they're doing it, they do it because they love it, not just because they get paid for it. So it's cool to see the passion and how he just loves being a storyteller and how that obviously comes across in his work and how he's trying to inspire others to kind of go after what they want to do and be be more creative in their own way, which is cool to see. But we also touch on his aspirations to become a, a sportsman as a young man and how that kind of took a left-hand turn when he unfortunately got an injury and then the holy kind of had to pull himself out of to kind of get back to what he wanted to do and and to refocus himself so we talk about that we talk about working in casinos and, and money laundering and a heap of different things but really hope you guys enjoy the chat it's something it's someone that i can just sit down with and chat for for ages about absolutely every anything so really good chat and i hope yeah it inspires you to kind of get out there and and do something you really want to do before we get into it, quick word from our sponsors. If a comprehensive solution for supplements is what you need in your routine, look no further. I know you need it. I know you want it. I know you want to try it. It's good for you. It's great. Athletic Greens is giving you guys one free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. All you've got to do is follow the link in the description. Go to athleticgreens.com slash off track. That's athleticgreens.com slash off track. Follow the cues. You're going to get some free stuff. You're going to try it out. See if you like it. If you don't, send it back. It's good for your immune system. We're in winter. We're trying to stay healthy. So give it a try. You'll probably feel better. And yeah, see what you think. Let me know. But jump me the podcast now. Enjoy. Hope you guys enjoy the chat with Devin. Cheers, guys. Bye. It's another world, isn't it? It's a good world to be in, though. You get used to it. Some people don't like it. Some people really, like, I've talked to some people about it when they like go into it, and they're like, they feel like they're in their own head. So you gotta bring this up about a, like, fist, a fist it's away. Like fully, literally talking into your own head. Yeah. yeah. Like, what's going on? Do you like it, or do you think it's too much? I don't know. I don't know what to think yet. You get. <laughs> I think it's good because. Do you feel like I don't know everything else? When you have a conversation, there's always other things Yeah, happening. noises and stuff going on around you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you, oh, it's just me and you. Yeah, and yeah, it's no. very rare that that happens, hey. No, I agree. With the, you know what I brought the other day was the, the AirPods? Mm. And when you have like those, the silence, like noise cancellations, you're just sitting there and you're like, I can't hear anything else around me right now. This is weird. It's <laughs> nice though, isn't it? Yeah, you're literally like sitting right. I did it on the tram the other day and it was like insane. Everything else is blacked out. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Do you feel like you can focus more though? I don't know. It's kind of like, depends on what you're doing, I guess. It's like you sort of drop in and you're like sitting in a different world and you're like, everyone's sort of like slowing down. Mm. You're like going, whoa, I'm thinking a lot right now. Because <laughs> I was in um, I was in Amsterdam and I just, for whatever reason, I was, I was by myself and I just had these noise cancelling, Bose noise cancelling headphones on. And I'd just put them on and ride around the city and just yeah. play music. And I was like, this is awesome. You're like kind of got a soundtrack to your holiday. Yeah, you're sort of like 
you're separating yourself from everything else around you. Mm. It was like I, was, I listened to a podcast with, do you know Fred again? Yeah. It was like talking about how he goes and mixes DJ sets in the middle of a, like a nightclub and he would just chuck on his noise-cancelling headphones and he's just mixes away and he's like, the one thing about like going out to a nightclub is like if you can separate yourself from the music of everyone else, they're going hectic but you're like so focused in. So kind of like a come within a storm, hey? Yeah, super interesting. True. Yeah, real interesting. Anyway, we'll get into it. So here with Devin Cooper, the man, the myth, the legend. He's yeah. uh, definitely just taken my podcast studio to another level. <laughs> <laughs> You're like my guru yeah. now of like technology. You kind of, yeah. you seem to part to see, guide the way. Let's do, it. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Have you, because you told me the other day as well, you've kind of been a jack of all trades and now you've, suddenly landed on videography, photography, producing and whatnot. But let's go back and paint a bit of a picture. We'll go back right to this kind of like start and kind of like paint a picture of who you are. What was it like growing up and where did you grow up and what was like the family life and dynamic like? Yeah, interesting. That's a really deep question to start <laughs> off with. <laughs> we, need, um, we need to find out who you are. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I grew up in country Victoria, so in East Gippsland. Uh, lived in an old school out in the middle of the bush, which is... Really interesting. Um, yeah, family family life's good. I'd, I've got a big family, like extended family as well. So always a lot of travelling when I was a kid. So back and forth to Melbourne. Um, and I played a lot of sports when I was younger. So a lot of AFL and golf. And yeah, sort of. Golf as a kid? like Yeah, I was competing when I was 10. I think I started competing like at a professional Level when I was 10, doing competitions and had my handicap and was playing against all the oldies when I was a kid and yeah, it was awesome. It was proper then? Yeah, it was proper. It was like, I think I got my first club when I was like two and then from then on I was just, just played. Was your dad like Tiger Woods' dad, which was like, <laughs> you are going to be the next big thing or was he kind of just like doing it for fun and it kind of went that No, direction? it was more, I think it was my, my nana's brother gave me the club to start off with and then my dad played and my uncle played and then a bit of the family played and I was like oh well, why not just play golf you just did it for fun and so I just started for fun and I never played footy when I was a kid I just it was just golf on the weekend it was just I'd just go play golf while everyone else is playing like games of football I was having to hit around with like six-year-olds seven-year-olds on the golf course just having the time of my life um and yeah all I wanted to do was go pro for so long it was so interesting like I got pretty good at it and then yeah a few things happened that just sort of pushed me down a different different realm but do you remember those key things that changed that kind of pull you out of that not not 100 like I still play I literally had a hit of golf yesterday like I love I love golf it's like my sort of getaway it's like a it's such a challenging thing too it's like it's all in the mental mm. so if you're not if you're not into it it's like it's so hard to play but then I then played AFL as well. So then I was playing on a Sunday golf, football on a Saturday for a very, very long time. And then, yeah, sort of going through the process of skipping through a lot of what happened. It's like I had a pretty bad injury and then I stopped playing AFL just before I was trying to make it professional in AFL as well. Just like the, the year before the draft, I had like a real bad injury. So then I couldn't play golf or football. What was the injury? Uh, a leg injury yeah. yeah so pretty bad and yeah I was out of sport for like a good two two years was that an injury playing football yeah, yeah injury playing footy yeah in pracky match 
how did that kind of how was your, what was your mindset kind of obviously having such a dream to become something and then having an injury kind of throw a spanner in the works right at the time when you needed it to work out yeah look to be honest it was the worst time of my life like not even gonna skip over that at all like it was probably the hardest thing that I've ever dealt with and like in terms of in like if you really think about the core fundamentals of life it's like I've been to the bottom like I've had a point where I didn't want to be here anymore like I was like I can't do it like I was that emotionally done like I'd literally just had everything taken away that I was like working so hard like I was training flat out I was playing golf flat out and I was like are these two different paths to go and then and then I also started a building apprenticeship when I was in this situation so I was two years into a building apprenticeship playing footy playing golf and then it sort of all just ended real quick and then moved from the country to the city and yeah it was pretty hectic did you feel like you felt that way also strongly that way as well because you had wrapped your identity so solidly around I'm a footballer I'm a golfer I'm these things and then obviously when that's taken away you kind of lose who you are Did you yeah feel like that was a big part of it yeah 100 percent. like from those from those moments I, I I really think that it's a massive thing that a lot of people sort of get caught up in now it's like defining yourself by what you do like it'd be the same as like saying you ride bikes it's like you're, you're much more than just one thing it's like I don't class myself as like a videographer or a photographer like I go like real broad spectrum of like a storyteller like I fundamentally think that I'm a storyteller and that's what I believe and no matter what it is so like if I want to go tell stories by I don't know painting a picture or showing someone around a history lesson like it's still part of who I am and it's not not done on the one thing like so when I was there I was always classified as the sports guy or the footy player or the golf player. It's like, what even is that? Mm. When that's gone, then like, who are you? Yeah, like, what's there? Yeah. What are you, what are you left with at the end of it? Like, cause you can keep going down this path for so long. It's like, like I know so many people who have struggled when they've had an injury or like they've just gone a completely different route. It didn't work, but then they're just so lost for so long in their life. Like I think it took me work around about 10 years probably to, full self-work and deep behind it to try to get myself into a positive mindset. Kind of accept that that's not who you are. Yeah. What were some of the key things you did to kind of flip that idea of how you saw yourself being these other things and realise you're not, you're so much more than that and no one, like, no one cares. Like, no one cares if you're a footballer or a mountain biker or whatever. Like, they just care if you're a good person and you show up for them in whatever aspect of life they want you to show up. The rest is just kind of noise. And when it had, like, how did, what were the tools you used to see that within yourself more or less? Yeah. Like, to be honest, the first, the first point of like that whole change in my life is probably turned to alcohol. Like, I was drinking and partying quite a lot to, to probably escape like the whole reality of what was happening. Like, try to run around like it's, it's not real. It's not real. It's not happening. And then, yeah, I sort of had a, I had a point in my life where, I don't know what it was. I really I can't pinpoint the exact turning point in my head when it's shifted, but I remember calling up my parents and just being like, I have to move away from Melbourne. I need to go to the Gold Coast. I need to I need to leave. They're like, Oh, well, when do you want to do it? I was like, Oh, like the next couple of days would be good. And like I got a very supportive family and dad like drove to 
to Melbourne, packed all my shit up, and then, yeah, within, like, six days, I was on the Gold Coast. I completely, like, because I, I was at a point in my life where I'm like, I need to do something, and it's not going to be here because, like, AFL in Melbourne is so consumed everywhere. Like, everybody just talks about it. And I didn't want to have anything to do with it at the moment. I needed to do something else. Then I came to the Gold Coast and sort of did the whole, lived in surface for a while and partied around and had fun doing it. But I, or like I hit a point where one of my idols at the time, Ali Day, had posted that he was training with Taylor Cecil. And I was like, oh, I need to get my body right and I need to get my head right. So what am I going to do? Like, am I just going to keep going down this path of self-destruction or am I going to, like, pick myself up and change my life? And then, yeah, I just happened to, to message Tay. I was sitting on the beach actually about to crack a beer. I'll never forget it. And then he responded when just before I went to open it and I just tipped the beer out and I said, that's it, my life's changed right then and there. And then, yeah, the whole the whole remake of picking up a second job to be able to afford to get my mental track back on yeah so what, what do you reckon drew you to the gold coast like what was the thing that said okay i want change this is the place that it's gonna happen was there something that stood out or was it just like what you'd heard or friends or was there I'd, something drawing you to it yeah i've been here before for i used to compete in surf life saving as well that was another thing i did um so i was up here for aussie titles for two years in a row and um I was staying around Mermaid area and like, yeah, during the competition and stuff, I was like, oh, it's in the middle of winter. It's quite nice. It's it's quite, yeah, this is a pretty sick spot to be, hey. And a lot of people are just happier and the sun, I like the sun. So There's a feel like, to it, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to describe. It's like, because there's like everywhere you go, there's nice places, but there's something about this and the community of people and how everyone seems happy to meet you. Yeah. And they've got a cool story. They're doing a cool thing. And then that motivates you to want to like, oh man, I want a cooler story. I want a cool, like it pushes you in that yeah. direction. So how did you hear about, cause I'm, I've had a little bit to do with Taylor Cecil as well. How did you actually link or get put onto him? And like, what was, did you say your it was literally, idol was? Yeah. So it was literally Ali Day who I'd been following since I was a grom because surf life saving is the champion, the goat. Mm. And, um, yeah, he posted something of him was looking. He was looking for clients to take on board, and I'm all for like things happen for a reason, to a certain extent. But like, it was really cool that it popped up then. And I was like, I'm just gonna reach out. Like this guy is training the best in the world. What's the worst that could happen? You know, like, and then so I did, and just happened to really work out. And I'll never forget. We went for a, <laughs> I went in for my like assessment on the day. And I remember being hungover as shit. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I literally was just so, so upfront with him. And I was like, mate, this is, but I, I want to change. Like, and he could see that. And yeah, that sort of just sparked off on this whole, this whole spiral over the next, I, I think I trained with him for two and a half, three years. So when did you move up here originally? It's a great question. Like maybe 2013, 2014, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, quite a while ago. Yeah. So I finished school in 2012, moved to Melbourne for a year and a bit, and then sort of scooted up here. And then straight in, because I've had like a little bit to do with Taylor and like you like said, absolute legend of a person. And I guess he's, like he can, he understands how people work and then you, you can see that he's quite engaged with what's happening. And obviously 
reads into what you're saying and even if like you're talking absolute bullshit i think he can see through that it like, takes a yeah. lot of like okay you're saying this but you're really feeling like that he can kind of yeah and that's a skill to be able to to understand people that way and i think like a good mental coach life coach whatever you want to call it whatever he identifies as is super important to have and like you see his work is like mick fanning and um a lot of other top athletes and obviously i, I think he's got his own place now in palm beach that he's set up yeah, he's training out in Palm Beach and then they've got a new a new thing coming on the horizon mm. very soon. That's cool to see. But how long were you working along like with him? And yeah. and how did that kind of play out and how did that kind of change the direction of where your life has kind of gone from there? Yeah, so I think two two and a half years, nearly three years, I think, training with Tay, so twice a week. Every and week. was this for like a purpose or was this just I need to get my head straight, I need to change my the direction of my life and this is the best way to do it? Yeah, so I had a lot of a lot of physical problems that extended from uh, the injury and just bad habits from there of like never really getting the body back to a good shape. So the initial thing was, first of all, I want to be able to, to move good again. I want to feel good in my body. I think it when I was like 20, I felt literally like my body was a 50-year-old. I could hardly move. Like I had arthritis in my legs and I was just hating life. Like it was just not fun. So I was like, first thing is get the body right, get the head right. So I got the base foundation of the body right and then I sort of had a, a a switch flick in my head where I was like, I don't necessarily want to train crazy anymore. Like I, I've done that for so long that I didn't want to do it anymore. So then I really just started diving in on the, the mental side of things. So yeah, it went pretty hectic for still to this day on the mental side and how much value that brings to everything else you do. So you get your mental right, then the physical will follow. And then, yeah, so, and then basically it came to a, an end with training with him because I went over to Europe and it was sort of like the, the last hurrah of like I had built up enough tools with him to be able to continue to on in my life and, yeah, went to Europe and, that's where my life changed forever. So what, what was the what was the change? And what were you doing? What was the whole why did, why did you go to Europe and what was the big thing that changed? Well, the the thing with Europe is like one of my mates is I think he was hiking in Bolivia. Still and he um I just messaged him I'm like mate, what are you doing? He's from back home and I was like, what are you doing traveling? He's like, oh, I just sort of said fuck it. I want to get out of here and I want to see the world. And he goes, oh, do you want to come meet me at Running with the Bulls in Barcelona, uh, in Spain? And I was like, oh, I had a pretty pretty big job at the time and a lot of responsibilities that I couldn't just literally walk away. He's like, this is in two weeks. I said, I can't do that. And he goes, what about Oktoberfest in four weeks? I said, all right, I'm coming. And then so I literally went to the work the next day. I quit my job. And the people I was living with had a bit of a bit of a weird situation when I left, but it was basically I left my old life behind the moving completely away from the partying, the, the, the bad mentality of the other people that I was surrounded by. And then, yeah, basically went to Oktoberfest and worked at Oktoberfest and I managed a little coffee truck over there. And then one day, this is how the whole photography world started, it... Someone goes, oh, the photographer is too drunk to take photos. Do you, do you want to take photos? And I was like, I've only ever used my phone before, so I don't know what I'm doing. But 
And they, I never forget, they handed me a Nikon, like a real old Nikon, and the photographer was trying to show me. He was so drunk, and I was like, I think I'm just gonna have to get YouTube up here and just figure out what I'm gonna do. And then I sort of set the, set the photos, took the photos, and then, yeah, gave it to him, and they were stoked. They were like, "These are so good. They were better than the photographers." And I was like, oh. and then they paid me, and I was like, "Oh, this is pretty good, eh?" Like, all I did was take a couple of photos, and then. Yeah, sort of did the rest of my trip and I was taking photos on my phone the rest of the trip. I always liked taking photos. And then I got back to Australia and then bought my first camera. So that's basically how that all started. That's a pretty good first gig to come out completely out of the blue. It's like very natural, very just, hey, can you do this? And then to get paid because I was going to say, with photographers, most people don't get paid no. for a long time. So it's pretty funny that your first gig, which was unplanned, you got cash for it and then I guess it sparked that thing to be like, all right, maybe we can. Yeah, we I can, can do, do something that I enjoy doing and get paid for it. And I was like, that's, that's a pretty good start, I think. I'm so that was the catalyst to becoming a photographer, videographer. Yeah. Just the drunken guy at Oktoberfest that couldn't shoot the stuff. That's gold. <laughs> and I was going to say, before we get too into the photography and videography, because you said you've had an assortment of different jobs. Is that by choice or is that just kind of something that's, just falls on your lap you're kind of just flowing through life and you're like oh I'll try this oh I'll try that or try a bit of everything well yeah like now coming out at a bit of a different perspective and like where my mental mind's at and my understanding of the abundance of life and the way that things flow it's like every time that I had the wrong job something would come up and would force me into a different path and it's not that I did like everything I do is at 100% like and I'd, I've completed a lot of things but yeah it was just sort of more Things were coming up and it was just evolving towards basically where I am today. And like at the time it doesn't seem like that. You're like, oh, fuck, I just can't seem to work this out. Not that I have worked anything out, but like you just think that, oh, geez, I, I thought I was on a run there and you, you were. Like uh, and now I look back at it and I was. And I was, I was going in a, a good path to set myself up for just the mental side of things and to create like good friendship groups and that sort of stuff and yeah it's pretty pretty interesting but do you feel you went through those jobs that you might not have thought at the time this is what i want to be doing but then because of that it opened up an avenue into something that you're like oh i do want to do this and it kind of you kind of ping pong around to different things but you seem like you're someone that's very open to trying new things and just seeing how it turns out like you're very curious to be like oh, is this going to be for me or is it's not where i think a lot of people would go this is what i do this is all i'm going to do and then they stay in that yeah. And they don't, it's like the whole thing, you don't know what you don't know. So it's like try something new and it might be your favourite thing. Or if it's not, at least you know, and then you kind of tick that off and go on to the next. Yeah, 100%. I think when I, I started, like when I came up here, I was working hospitality. But then I ended up like, I was in a good position and I was, I was like cocktail bartending high end and I really loved it. And then I got poached from another business basically. And this is a bit off topic, but they basically just go, oh, we got a management position opened up. Do you want it? And I was, I was like nineteen or something at the time. I was like, I know a lot. Like I had good, I had good teachers beforehand, and like I had the skills. And I was like, I was captain in football. I did this, and oh, why not? I'll give it a crack. And then I, I took over managing a cocktail bar at a pretty big hotel in Surface, and I had a lot of people underneath me, and I was just sort of learning things on the fly. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. But I've always like a massive believer in like if you're ready for something, you're you. It's not what you're supposed to be doing. 
you should never be ready for what's next. Like if you know what's next, you you should be like if you have the like this job come up for example, you're like oh. I'm 100% comfortable I can do that. It's like maybe you need to push yourself a little bit further. Like mm. what what is that little bit of like challenging? Like if you want to develop and grow as a person, it's like put yourself into the, the uncomfortable situations, the unknown, and just see what you can do because then you limit yourself. I don't like doing that. There's a saying I heard that I absolutely love. It says bite off more than you can chew and then chew like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, Yeah, that's brilliant. So it's like yeah. that. It's like do something – and step into something that's completely out of your comfort zone. And then, like, they, it really can't go wrong. It's like, I heard this thing, it's like, you're the loser, you learn. Yeah. I mean, no, you don't lose, you learn. Like, it's like you... Well, what, get, yeah, what, what is short. the worst thing that's going to yeah. happen? Especially in, like, a job like that, like bartending or something like that. It's like, what, you don't make someone the proper drink right or something? Or yeah. you get fired from that job, sweet. Yeah. wasn't for me. Next thing. Yeah, move on. It's like, and then it's like, it comes back full 360 as well. It's like, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. It's not, you, everyone's human. People make mistakes. The cool thing about mistakes is you learn. And if you can't make, I think in America, they're, they're massive for it. Hey, they're like fall fast or fall forward. There's one of the, I can't remember who said that. Maybe Denzel Washington said that. Basically like just fail as much as you can, as fast as you can and move as fast as you can forward. Mm. And it's the only way you can do it. But if you tread through life, it's just like trying to, oh, I don't want to fail or I don't want to do this. It's like you're just going to, I guess, push real slow for a very long time until you're, gonna be stagnant. you're, yeah, gonna until you're unhappy. I heard another one where it was like aim for the moon and if you come short, at least you'll be in the stars. <laughs> so it's like... You're still leveling up. If you're yeah. trying to do new things, like there's a UFC fighter, um, Alex Volkanovsky, and he just fought for the uh, the lightweight championship and he ended up losing. A lot of people said he won the fight. I thought he won the fight. But it's still like it leveled him up as a fighter. Like he he went through a new challenge. He went to like a different weight class. And the thing he was saying after the fight is that everyone preaches all this stuff about get uncomfortable, put yourself out there, like challenge yourself. They say all that. And then he went and did it and everyone's like, why are you doing this? It's such a big risk. What am I like, like, you know, like you can't, you're the same person that says you should challenge yourself or also put you down for then challenging yourself, which is a crazy thing to. It's ridiculous. So much, there's so much of that. It's, it's actually kind of like, and that's, it's actually, I can't remember the podcast I was listening to at the talk. Oh, it was a guy from like where I'm from basically. And he's a big um, mogul in the, the sporting, like, um, I can't remember what radio station it is. But basically he runs all the media for like sports Australia-wide. And he said the one thing that with Australians who are really good at our culture is we'll shoot everyone else down as fast as we can because it's like if someone else is doing something you want to do, it's like you don't want them to do that, but you sort of do want them to do that. So like that. And in the Volkanovsky situation, I listened to the podcast with him talking about all the stuff that he went through, like the no money and he's like, working his ass off to try to make it and he's like nearly fell short, nearly fell short and he's like, I've just got to keep believing in the process and I've just got to keep moving this way even though everyone else is telling me, don't do it, it's it's not going to work. It's it, it, Like people will happily tell you it's not going to work because they're, they're probably scared that you're going to get there before they are. Mm. To a successful person though, that doubt is like fuel. Yeah. Like I feel like to a, like someone that is successful, like doubt is, it can either crush you or it can just give you this extra gear that you're like, all right, well, how good is it going to look? Because it's like this thing. It's like 
if you succeed and everyone doubted you, you look like a hero. If you don't succeed and everyone doubted you, it's kind of like, oh, well, everyone doubted me anyway. So it's like you can't really lose in that situation. It's like people have written you off anyway. So if you don't do well, it's not like, I guess they're going to be like told you so. But I know I always, I always enjoyed when people would kind of like not believe in what you could do. Like I had a time when I was at school and I remember it so clearly. You know, when you can go back to a moment in your head and like you can remember who was there, you can remember the exact moment and it's just like picture perfect. But I remember a, a, my principal was walking around my school and he asked me and my group of my friends were at, at lunch. And he's like, oh, who's playing sport this weekend? And I, I just said, oh, I'm racing this weekend. And one of my mates said, oh, that's not a real sport. And I remember so clearly him saying that. And now I just think back to like that, that was motivation. Obviously at the time it stuck with me, but I just think about like my fake sport has given me a job. It's taken me around the world. It's got me paid. It's made me meet all these people. It's helped me live this lifestyle that I love. And I just think back to like someone saying like, that's not a real sport. And it just like that stuck with me. It's kind of like the, when someone doubts you, it's like, oh, watch this. And then how you can progress with that thing. But because obviously back then everyone played football, mountain biking wasn't really a mainstream thing, still kind of isn't, but yeah, it's funny how people would doubt you, but then it's just like, all right, kind of watch this. And then you like how you grow and learn from that. Yeah. It's so interesting though, because like even that situation, imagine if you had to listen to it. Yeah, put my head down, going, oh, it's not a real sport. Why am I even trying at it? Like, like and that kills so many people's dreams. Oh, man, it, it is ridiculous how many, like, I think in school situation, right, there's so many things that I wanted to do. I, I wanted to be an architect for so long. Teachers said, you're not good enough. You're not, you're not smart enough. You're not good at English, so you can't, can't get into the courses. And I was like, yeah, but I want to do it, like. I could never understand. I could never get my head around why I was always told I couldn't do. Like if I went back to school now and I, I reckon I told some of the teachers the shit I've done, they'd literally just go, there's no way you would have done that. Mm. Like it's just crazy. Like, But if you if you are somebody who can be affected by that, like that's crazy to think that just with one somebody saying something that you don't like mm. can completely change the direction of your life. And that's kind of sad, mm. I feel. And that'd be more common than not as well. Oh, yeah. Like the amount of people, like you say, in Australia, the amount of people that would just shit on someone's dreams and ideas. And it's again, it comes back. The same person that would tell you what you're doing is a joke and you'll never make it and you're not doing the right thing will be the first person to come up to you once you've succeeded and go, oh, hey, man, like congrats on this and that. Yeah. And you're like what, like, what are you doing kind of thing? It's like I'd rather people doubt me. And then if you do do well, still be like, uh, eh, whatever. Like just at least at least be a dick the whole way through. <laughs> don't 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 change don't sides. Don't come back now. Yeah, don't change sides halfway. Yeah. But yeah, it's the, the same people will doubt you until you actually prove them wrong and succeed and then they'll be your best friend and, and want to kind of get that shine, I guess. I think it's like super interesting though as well because like if you go back to a, a thing I've been learning about recently is uh, abundance and talking about abundance mindset basically in that in that scale and those people can't see the abundance. Doesn't mean that they're they necessarily want you to fail. It's just like they have something within them that they're struggling with. And like, so I show like empathy to those people because it's like I understand you're going through something. Like, if you if you really badly want to see me fail or the thing that I'm doing is not a real job or whatever you want to say, I can I I can meet you on that level because like I can see that there's something you're struggling with, and if it if you then go back and have like a an argument on it, it's not going to get anybody anywhere. Mm. But if you can meet them on that level of like compassion and just be there and just listen to them, 
and voice that, you might just happen to get through to that part of them that might let them go to the next person and say, oh, I believe in you, you should try that. And that all comes full 360 of like, if somebody comes and negatively talks you down and be like this, it's like, yeah, like there must be something going on with you. So if I can be a stepping stone for you, I can I can take it. Like in my life, I've built up enough like base foundation that it's pretty hard to rock me when people give me bad feedback or they try to say bad shit about me. Like I'm like, I don't really, I don't care because I don't, I don't operate on that frequency. It's like, how can I get you to come up here with me? Like, what can I do to help you? Mm. And it's like, yeah, if you can do that, like, especially I'm from a small country town, you're from a small country town, you know, in those small country towns, it's, it's even more prominent. Oh, it's hard, man. It's, it's more like, prominent. Why are you trying? Yeah. Why are you trying, man? Yeah. Why are you not going to the pub and drinking and betting this weekend? Yeah. Like, do you think you're better than us? Kind of yeah. mentality. And it's the thing, like you say, if someone kind of throws that at you, you kind of, instead of throwing negativity, anger back at them, you can just be like, are you okay, man? Like, you're good. Like... How are you doing? What's happening in your life? What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? What's the goal of yours? What's the dream of yours? Like kind of put that on them and then actually start the conversation of how to achieve that and the things you can put in place. Because like I feel like anyone that can become really successful, the way to get fulfillment after doing that is to help other people succeed. And once you can bring everyone up, that's when you're like, oh shit, this is really winning now. Yeah. It's like once you take yourself out and be a bit more selfless and actually go, okay, I've achieved what I want to achieve. Now, how do I lift up my my friends, my family, group of people around me? Like, then you're like, okay, now this is really winning. Yeah, 100%. That's literally been my driving factor for everything that I ever do. It's like, I, I don't want to do this alone. I don't want to be successful by myself. Like, I want to bring people up with me. Like, I want to have a good life with a good group of people and just enjoy life to its fullest potential, whatever that may look like. Like, there's no point of just, like, doing it by yourself. It's like... How can I find good friends and how can I fucking help them win too? Like, what does that take? I heard this uh, this thing the other day. It was, uh, Shaq was getting interviewed, Shaquille O'Neal, and he was doing deals like when he was signing deals with uh, when he was playing basketball and they'd go into like a meeting and he'd have his like lawyers and stuff with him and he'd say the people would talk to, like they'd look at him and then they'd talk to his lawyers because they didn't believe he understood the lingo, what they were saying. So he got sick and tired of kind of being like the guy in the room that wasn't actually getting the attention or getting the information and he didn't understand it. So he's like, I want to get my master's degree in business or whatever. And he went to a professor or whoever you want to call them. And he said, hey, I want to get my master's. And he's like, oh, well, it's too late to start the course and you have to do it online. He's like, I don't want to do it online. I want to do it in person. He's like, oh, well, we need 15 people to fill a class. So he's like, all right. So he paid for 15 people like all his mates so all his his friends he got 15 of them to fill a class and get their major together That's and like sick. something like that like if you've got the abil- ability to do that do it do it yeah for sure because then it makes like everything you do from then on is like they succeed and they win in life it gives you fuel to then want to win even more like mm. you're like they're winning i can win even more now like and it's like it's it's all about who you surround yourself with too like if you can help that change that frequency of like how they're thinking it makes your life easier. That's like the the whole 360 of it. It's like you can lift your mates up and help them succeed and be their mindsets change, their attitudes change, their behaviours change. And then it becomes like this whole just ebb and flow of like your mates, your relationships, your friends, your family, your jobs, whatever it is. It just happens way easier than trying to push against the grain for so long. Like it's 
And I heard a thing the other day, you're most likely, I think, I kind of almost don't want to say this because I, I don't know if it's 100% true, but they were saying the most likely thing to get old, like to for aging and health and everything is your relationships with people. So if you have good relationships with everyone, you're mi- more likely to live longer. So it makes like, sense. D- dependent on, obviously, if you're yeah. way overweight, but I think it comes <laughs> back to if you have good relationships, you don't feel so inclined to stay at home and eat Twinkies and get overweight. Like you're more like, okay, let's go see my friends. And then your friends will be like, cause your friends will call you out on stuff as well. If you're getting like, good, if, you, if, you, if you've got good friends and you're just like kind of downward spiraling and you're eating too much and you're not going out, if you've got good friends, they will pull you out of that. But if you've got no one around you properly, it's like, oh, well, why does it matter? And who cares? And yeah. then that mentality can put you in a pretty dark place pretty quickly. Yeah. You spiral out of control. You oh. go right down. Massively. Yeah. Did I've been you, there. Did you feel like as well, because this was back in Melbourne and this is, were you working in a bar when you were in Melbourne as well or did that start when you came up here? No, so I started like in gaming rooms actually. So I did a lot of gaming, uh, specialised, I love math. So like like poke, pokies? Pokies, yeah. So I was like right into that. So then I started at a, a job in Melbourne and then, yeah, started picking up a lot of like uh, cred- credentials in the business. So like money laundering, like specialising in certain things in the, the gaming industry. It just because I, I just... How does money laundering work? Because I'm always intrigued by this. You hear like gangsters and stuff always getting done for money laundering. I don't know if we should talk about this, but okay. there, there is a lot to do with like, especially gambling is obviously one of the main things that people wash their money through. But mm. yeah, specialising in basically how to pick that up and flagging it when you need to flag it and doing it within reason too because I remember forgetting... <laughs> Like part of the thing is like you've got to tell, you've got to tell the authorities when you something comes up, mm. and I'm like going, man, if there's this guy who's like six foot six, tattooed up like anything, and he's got like bikey stuff on, not not picking up bikies, but I'm not going to tell him that he has to leave the venue or anything like that. I'm like, mate, just go about your stuff as long as you don't harm me. But yeah, there there's this whole other thing to it as well of like picking up on that. And there was a spot that I was working out in Melbourne that was very very big for yeah a lot of money laundering and a lot of bikey gangs around the area and it was very interesting like and then yeah from that like I I learned to to deal with money and stuff like that and how it comes in how it goes out and tracking things and where it goes and where it doesn't go but it comes back to like your direct friends and your environment stuff do you reckon this was like a mental strain as well because you're dealing with that kind of stuff where you've got oh for sure like criminals coming in and laundering money through where you're working oh you're for like sure <laughs> i like i think the the big down like the big thing like that changed me when in that industry is like um i just still i still never forget it because i literally just walked out but basically you see people lose fuckloads of money like you just, some people just don't understand what goes through in there and i hate it like i hate the industry and i i would never go back but like you like i i'd be blamed for people losing tens of thousands of dollars they'd lose their their wives or their houses or their cars and because i'm there working i'm the point of contact that gets so for so long like you just get abused like you think like drunk people abusing you is bad like when people know what they're doing no alcohol in them and they've lost everything like that's when you it's when you see people at the darkest points in their life and i've seen it happen too many times and I've been abused so many times that I'm like, I can't, I literally can't do this anymore. I had a mental breakdown. I think I took like four weeks off of work 
And then I, I literally came back and said, I can't, I can't come back in because I literally can't deal with people anymore. Mm. And it was like a big, big turning point in my life, obviously being in hospitality. And then I went into yeah, managing cafes, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty hectic. What was the most you ever saw someone lose? I don't know if I'm supposed to, to say, but like tens and tens of thousands. In like over a course of a, a week, day? a day. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen lots of money go in and out of machines. Like it, it's, it's so like crazy because if you're not into it, you don't understand. But there was just. I don't know how much I'm meant to say in this area, but like the the government gets paid really well from from poking machines. That's why they still exist. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's such a vicious. You see people there, and they're just glued. It ruins it ruins people's lives. Yeah, and it's so it's so hard to be like if you have an addictive personality, if you're in those poking machines or any sort of gambling. Now it's so easy on your phone, like to bet. Mm. And like you, if you're watching the footy or you're watching something, it's just like betting ads flat out. Now they've like changed it to say like you're always going to lose, basically. Yeah, you do. Like the one chance that you win is nowhere near close to how many times you lose. Mm. But yeah, it's very interesting. I guess it's like anything, the more research and you can kind of, you, I guess the only way you can kind of help your chances of winning is if you're betting on something that you actually follow and you can kind of analyze and track. No. You don't think so? No. Or just say, for example, like fighting or horse racing or something like that. If you've actually been in it for 10 years and you go, okay, this guy's fighting this guy. He's got a record of this. He's a striker. This guy's a wrestler. He's probably got like, you, you can I'll, help, I'll your, this ch- way, you can help like your chances, but like, if like you, slot if you thought about like, Racing downhill, like, right? If you were betting people, like, what happens if they crash on the first corner? Yeah, I understand that. But I think my chances of being able to pick a good downhill racer to t- get the win is going to be more likely than you going in and saying... Oh, the likelihood of you winning is a little bit more. That's what I mean. But, but the one time you lose, you lose exactly yeah. hard. Yeah. Because then you get confident. Yeah. Because then you think you're ahead. You overdo it. And you're like, oh, I definitely know they're going to win this one. Or you you, you think they're going to win this one and then they lose. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, trust me. I'm with you, man. I remember I'd tell people because I had some friends that were betting. And they're like, oh, why don't you put a bet on? I was like, oh, I don't have enough money to bet. I don't make enough money to bet. Yeah. And they were like, at the time, I was making a lot more than what the person was that was betting. But that was my mentality. Like, I don't have... Can't lose it. Well, you yeah. can't afford to lose it because you, you've got other priorities that you want to... Just like bet on yourself, man. Yeah. You put money... Okay. I, That's the only way you win. Yeah. Only way you win. I bet get, on yourself and then use that money that you want to bet on something to benefit your physical health, mental health, mm-hmm. and just win in life in general. Like take take the control instead of giving it away. Like mm-hmm. that's... You're looking for something external to control with. Like how about you just go in for a second and think about it. Like it's... yeah. You're trying to create a feeling, I guess, and it's that dopamine hit of, okay, you've got, you've just won a hundred bucks. It's like that, oh shit. And you want that dopamine hit. I'm like, go jump in the ocean in a winter's day. Like that will get you going. Yeah. That'll get you real going. (laughs) And that'll make you feel good and it costs nothing. Yeah. And then use that money that you would have spent the hundred dollars in, put it into like an account you can't touch that like makes a bit of interest or like maybe invest in something that's like, looks like it's on the way up. Like so many other things. Like it's always crazy when you see people that, they buy cigarettes, they go to the pokies, they gamble or whatever, and then they're just like, I've got no money. Yeah. I'm like, man, and that's like the whole thing. It's like, I can't afford to live that lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. Because it's just 
taxing on every single level, like your money going out, your your mental health going out, your physical body falling apart. But I feel like the, the cool thing about that whole thing is like if I never did it, I would never have learnt like the real dark side of, I guess. Yeah, you saw it firsthand. Yeah, I've seen shit. Like I've seen people, I've seen how it changes lives. I've seen families fall apart. I've seen people lose houses and cars. Like I've seen it all happen and I'm like, oh, I don't, doesn't interest me like it really does not interest me but to be able to see that as bad as it is like I was there witnessing things happening and obviously trying to avoid it because like you try to intervene as much as you can to try to help them out of the RS RSG so responsible serving gambling so but you just I feel like if you if you take that actually as a lesson like I could see in myself like with that like drinking and like partying all the time of like when I was at that point, like I could see that in them, like they're just doing it to get away from escaping something else, like without facing whatever it may be. They might've had a hard day at work or whatever it is. And it was like sort of like a, a turning point for me. It's like, I can't, like I don't drink anywhere near as much as what I used to drink, like a lot. I used to drink a lot, but like, it's really cool to then see if you continue down that path where it's going to, it's going to hit a point where, it's, it's almost like a, you can't come back from that. Mm. And I never wanted to get to that point. What would you tell someone either in that kind of gambling situation? So it doesn't really matter. It's like what would you tell someone that has a crutch, like that has something they lean on when times get tough? Like how would what would you tell them to the best ways to kind of like deal with that and come out of something like that? Yeah, well, first of all, it's the recognition, like being consciously aware of that's that's happening. That's the hardest point because like – you don't have the right friendship group that are going to pull you up on that shit you're not going to know it's so hard for you to understand that if you can't see it because like as bad as it is like you know that this is happening but you, you consciously can't articulate that that's uh, that's the way it's going to go so like i don't know it'd be like try to catch yourself out if you if you are going down that route but if you apply that outside of that that world it's like if you feel like you're in a point in your life where you have to lean on something that's, whether it be alcohol or some sort of really bad addiction, how about you like tap back into nature for a second? Like whether it go, as you said, jump in the water or I love swimming around the water with my camera. So that's that's one of the things that I always do. Like if I've had a hard day, I'm cameras in my hand, I'm in the water and I'm swimming around and it's like, a full reset. It's like I'm getting back into touch with the frequency of the earth and I'm I'm tapping back into my inner self instead of trying to go out to then get back and it doesn't doesn't work that way. I guess it's knowing your triggers, mm. your things that will like set you straight and actually, okay, I'm not having a good day. I need the reset. This is what I know resets me. Let's go and do that. Yeah, 100%. Because I, I think for anyone that's – struggling or has a crutch or has like they think they have these problems in their life i think a good thing and it can be i guess some people could see it as a negative but look at all the problems in your life and then think that you're the cause of every single one of those problems and then start to work out how because it's like so many people justify what's happening or why they said something or why their girlfriend doesn't want to be with them or why they're fighting with their parents and it's like look at that as like they're right and, and obviously this might not work in all cases but Look at it as, okay, maybe I'm the issue. I'm the problem. I need to change it. And then that's when you kind of start looking at it in a different perspective. Like, cause like you said, if you're looking at 
from being on the merry-go-round and you keep going around and around, you're never going to get off it. If you hop off and look at it from like standing and look at it, you go, oh, that's what's happening. But a lot of people won't pull themselves out of that. They'll only look at it like first person view. It's like step out and look at, okay, maybe my girlfriend was right. Let's have a look at like why she thinks this and why she might be right or why my mum's right or why my dad's right and then view it from that angle and then that could change your whole perspective on the situation and make mm. you make you come out of that and be like, okay, this is this is how they see it and I can see that now and then you can have an actual discussion about that instead of throwing hate or anger at each other constantly. Yeah, for sure. It's like even even if you don't think it's right, even if you don't yeah, think it's true, it. it's yeah. like there's some some truth in that, whether you like it or not. It's like, but if you can find that truth in the stuff that you don't like, that's when you start to really win. Like that's when you start to pick up. I, I, I like call it like leveling up in a game. It's like life's a game. It's like find all the little gems that you can everywhere you're around you can. So like it's like when somebody doesn't, like if someone has a different belief to you, right? And then they're like trying to talk to you. And if you find this point of view, like you have to jump in to try to tell them that they're wrong or I, I just don't understand that because it's like they've got a belief because of the way that they're brought up and mm. there's so many fundamentals that go into it. But you could probably learn something from their belief system that like, oh, that could be cool or like maybe I'm not as open-minded as I thought I was. Maybe that's something. Because like if somebody believes in like any sort of religion or whatever it is, I'm all for it. Like, whatever you believe in is your beliefs. As long as you don't try to put that under me, I'm, I'm, I will support you 110%, even if I don't know you. Mm. But then if you try to push stuff on me, I'm like, oh. Yeah, why are you doing that? Yeah, why are you doing that? But it is, Back it, off. It is like you're saying, it's just, if you actually stop and listen to people without the in, intent to cut them off and be like, oh, but I feel like this and oh, I feel like that. And honestly, doing this podcast has made me more like it definitely made me a better listener and it's made me kind of not want to jump in and kind of because you know sometimes someone will tell you something and you don't do it intentionally but you almost like cut them off and then one up them with your your story which is similar but better in a way in your own head and then you've got this constant like back and forth where instead of just listening to the person and what they've actually achieved and done being like that's really cool and asking more questions in it you kind of go oh yeah well i went to greece as well last year but we went on a bigger yacht and it was cool because i caught a marlin and then you kind of like belittle their story because you want to be like the bigger better person your ego comes out and starts driving the conversation so i think it's like if you can just sit there and listen and just see what the person has to say you might you like you might not even have like your opinion of what the conversation is changed but at least you'll get a better understanding of it yeah. I think that's something that we don't do enough of ever. And it's something I definitely didn't do as much of until I started doing a podcast where it's that's kind of the whole thing is to tell the other person's story. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, it's really interesting you touch on that. It's like this whole thing of like the ego needs to be better than the other person or my story is better than your person. We've, if you can really separate that ability to, to listen to somebody like deeply, like truly actually listen to what they're saying first of all they're probably going to feel way better about themselves because you've, you've actually given them some time and like whether that be whether friends your your family or a relationship with a girl a male whatever it is it's like if you can stop and listen that will go so far like it might you might not even have to say anything you just have to listen 
and you could completely change their day like that that's pretty cool like but if you try to then go one up somebody all the time what does that look like in life like where where are you going to get yourself because now you think that you're better than everybody else around you but if you can drop yourself back and be like I don't need to be right I don't need to be better I can just be me and once you're okay with you and being who you are you don't need to justify that to somebody else so you don't need to try to um like if you even if you went on a bigger boat over in Greece doesn't matter they don't need to know that yeah. and you'll learn way yeah. more in that state yeah maybe the smaller boat was better than the big boat you don't know <laughs> Who knows? Maybe their flathead they caught was tastier as well. Yeah, maybe they got a bigger mile and you didn't even listen to the story. Yeah, I cut them off know? too soon. Yeah. yeah. But how often does that happen? Like I'm, I'm a big believer sometimes it's just better to observe a situation and whether like you're directly in the conversation, but you see how other people act and I think you can learn a lot from that. Like coming into a room where there's a heap of people and just not saying that much, but just observing the kind of dynamic of everyone in it and you kind of can work out how people are acting and why they're acting and kind of once you feel comfortable then maybe kind of tap into what you want to tap into but not just coming in like guns blazing and like you said letting your ego kind of drive the conversation and who you are as a person but kind of like observing understanding and then going into it because I think so many of us jump not jump to conclusions but jump into stuff when they're not kind of that they're, they're unsure of the situation I think people kind of, when they're unsure about something they act quite differently than how they actually would like how you said like be yourself but if people don't feel comfortable and they come into a situation they don't feel themselves they're not going to come across that way and i think a lot of people they're like not that we're really bad people but they get put in a situation where they're like i don't know how to be right now so then they act poorly and then that's portrayed in a certain way and then i think it just spot that can spiral out in a in the wrong direction have you have you seen that before where people have kind of come into a situation and you know they're not bad people but they act like a bit of a dick but it's probably just because they couldn't read the situation properly yeah i think it's so there's literally this is you could unravel this for fucking days but like i feel like at the core of it it's like can you be present first of all like is that something you can do without having to say anything can you like i think one of the one of the biggest learning points with me is like like, I feel like with you, right, we could sit down and not say anything for hours and be comfortable in the room together. But, like, if you sit down and you don't feel like you can't be comfortable with not talking, you need to probably work on something with that. What's going on deep inside of that? Because end of the day, like, silence is, like, your biggest teacher, right? So, like, you sitting there in silence with somebody else and just being present with their energy and not having to do anything external of telling a story or paying some positive or negative whatever it was it's like how about you just stop be present and just sit with that for a second like if they need to talk they will talk if they don't need to talk or if you ever sat in a car like you probably did a lot of traveling like if you ever sat in a car with somebody on a road trip and feel like you just need to talk flat out mm. or you've sat in the car with somebody who just needs to talk flat out and they just don't stop it's because like there's something deeper inside of them that they have to validate something going on all the time and they feel uncomfortable because I'll never forget like when I was on the, the the start of my journey of like trying to mentally get better it's like one of my one of my housemates came one like home one day he's like I was sitting I was sitting on the couch tv was off there was nothing happening I was just sitting there and I was just he walks in and goes what the fuck are you doing I was like I'm just just chilling because what are you doing I was like, yeah, just, just in silence. He goes, 
and this I to this day I will never forget this. He goes, I could never sit like still with myself because of the internal chatter that would happen and the shit that would go through my brain. And like that's that's sad because that's the same as you know when you said you turned to alcohol when you felt that way. It's like turning to noise, turning to TV, turning to porn, turning to certain toxic people, turning to drugs. Like that's all based off how your mind like what your mind is saying to you yeah so if you can become comfortable with that you can clear all that shit out and you're like i don't really need much yeah need food water shelter pretty good yeah and then i can be with myself and so nice to be comfortable with your own thoughts like it's a oh, it's so sick it's like it's like i i think it's the coolest thing going around just putting it out there but like even like meditation right like i do a lot of meditation and like i've got to a point now where i can meditate to the point where nothing comes up now I'm probably one person you could probably say has ADHD or I've been told that anyway but for somebody like that who can get to their mind to like I'm normally pretty active as well like in the creative world as well like my head just runs at a million miles an hour but when I go into that meditation state I can drop to a point where nothing's going on like it's just silence like that's cool like I feel like that's where I can regenerate and like really relax and like sometimes I don't know I used to like go to bed and my mind's running. It still happens every now and then. Like it's not perfect, but like when you go to bed and your mind's running a million miles an hour. I'll just torture. I'll just take myself away from that situation. I'll sit with my out. thought and I'll just wait. And it might take 15 minutes. It might take an hour. It could take longer. But I need to get to a point where I'm chill. My chatter stops because it's all unresolved. What are the tools you use to get there? Like different meditations, like I'm doing a at the moment or the last couple of years, I've been doing a self development course, and um, we just have a lot of tools that are in that that really goes through, yeah, depending on what it is that you need to work with at that time. Like as I said, it's not, it's not perfect. Like one day you might have one issue on this, but it's like working and being aware of those what's coming up for you in that situation, whether it's you getting really angry at somebody or something happening at work or whatever it may be, you feel like the world's against you. It's like, okay, well, what's what's the world reflecting to me at this point? And what do I need to work with right now to bring myself back to the divine, back to the middle middle ground? Like how do I reach that point? Are you doing any like are you kind of saying anything in your head are you trying to focus on in like like the black are you trying to focus like is there something you kind of because i know there's different meditations where you can either like say like a hymn or something or are you just trying to focus on like one thing in particular your breath or is it like what draws you back i've got a lot of like a lot of different tools like i've, I've got chakra cards so i sometimes like like sound out chakra cards to really drop back in back into full residence and then um i'll have like guided meditations as well depending on what it is and takes me to a whole different world and then sometimes I just don't do anything that also works and like for me as well like being in the water with my camera is like getting back into a point of just complete like people ask me like it's so crazy people go to me oh why do you always swim around why don't you go surfing or why it's like I don't think you understand the point like where I get to when I'm in the water is so so far away from anything else that I could ever achieve. Like I have so much fun. I can, I can get to such a deep meditative state when I'm in the water that it literally doesn't compare to if I was surfing or getting stressed out with someone dropping in on me or anything like that. So 
that's let's dive more into this because we kind of touched on the photography thing in Oktoberfest, and then you're obviously gone down this direction of becoming a photographer videographer you do both don't you, you yeah you both yeah so what was the journey like after Oktoberfest? drunk photographer can't do it you grab the camera awesome photography what led on after that yeah so i came back and then initially picked back up the the job that i had um in surface i was working in a cafe managing cafe and there was a photographer in there at the time who worked for News Corp. And I was, I was, fucking, I was like, mate, I need to know what camera I need to buy because shit's about to get real. And he's like, oh, what happened? And I told him the story and he's like, he was telling me all this stuff to get. And I was like, oh. He goes, oh, actually, uh, I might be selling one if you want it. I was like, yep. He goes, oh, do you want to know what it is? I said, no. I just, I'll have it, whatever it is. And then, yeah, I sort of just got it. And then I started taking photos and I outgrew that camera pretty quick. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, this is, we're on here. <laughs> this is what we we're, we're bloody on here. And then, yeah, I, I went and brought the camera that I got there, the A7S, no, A7 III. It was like the, the newest, sickest camera at the time. I was like, fuck it, let's go, let's get it. And I remember in the first year I broke it. So in the first year of me buying this camera, they've got like a maximum of like 300,000 photos you can take on it. I took like 340,000 and broke the camera. How did you break? Like what breaks on that? Like the the shutters Sensor. inside it and, and I broke the lens as well. And they're like, what are, <coughs> you, what are you doing with this thing? I said, taking photos, well, man. I'm taking about 400 photos at sunrise, 400 photos at sunset, and then probably 400 throughout the day, every single day. They're like oh, that's insane. Like, we've never had anybody break a camera like this before. And then, yeah, sort of things just... Did they fix it for you? Or yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. It. it was in warranty because it's not meant to break in that time. So they had it covered by warranty. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. I'm going to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the guy's back again. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I got that and sort of got right into photos for the longest period of time, like a... And then one of my mates, Adrian Bullock, he um, he took me on board because I was really interested in water photography. And he's like, oh, do you want to come out and you can use my housing if you want? I was like, fuck yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Here I am rocking up with my little GoPro going, oh, just taking photos of my GoPro down at Crumbin. And he's like, oh, do you want to have a go at mine? I was like, yes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I took a couple of photos and I got out of the water and um, I said, oh, you go buy a water housing now so went and brought one of them and yeah that was i never really looked back so are you ever nervous when you're out in the surf to like lose the camera or you is it attached to you in some way or you're just holding it i'll be honest with you i'm never nervous about losing a camera that sounds really weird um is it attached not, to you in any way not often is it it's it. not really often attached to me uh, everybody's probably fucking cringing but i get told off all the time like there's other photographers who go why are you not why is that not strapped to you? I'm like, I don't know. It just gets in the way. Does, it, does it float? No. It, it floats. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I've also swum out in a really big swell before where I don't have it tied to me. And I'm like, they're like, oh, it's just, it's just going to get ripped out of your hand. I'm like, I'll tell you what, if somebody can rip this out of my hand, they can have it. <laughs> like it's a generally like I'm holding onto that thing for dear life, flat out. doesn't really like play through the processes, but like, if I'm swimming around, like some maybe one day I'll have this feeling where I'm like I need to 
attaches to myself, then yeah, I will attach it through like a, a wrist strap and then it'll run to the camera. But then it just gets in the way, so I don't like it. Living on the edge. Yeah, living on the edge. What's the biggest swell you've gone out in and what's that like knowing that you're kind of a bit in the danger zone of it? Yeah, I'm not – I wouldn't say that I'm that good at it yet because there's like other people who swim out in way bigger stuff than I do. Um, but I've been a couple of cyclone swells at Kira and stuff like Snapper, Kira going out when it's like eight foot probably plus. I've been definitely caught – I've definitely been caught out before – in probably 10 foot at Kira. What's um, the go-to? If you see a bomb coming, do you just swim down? Just, just go. Just hope for the best. Just yeah. Because it's usually run. like a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand, but you're sitting in the strike zone 24-7. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it gets hectic. And if a bomb's coming and it breaks out further than where you are, everybody who's sitting out wide, get over it. You don't. You get munched well, that's what i mean do you just dive down and you just, just gotta hope that you can get down deep enough that you can get underneath it you won't get picked up by yeah. sand yeah and you gotta so that's the other thing it's like the breath control you've got to be you've got to be good with your breath because you can't like be too amped up that you're going to get smashed it's like it's happening just go just chill mm. and just go with the flow and yeah i love that about surfing the whole concept of getting wiped out by a wave can just relate so well to life. It's like when shit goes wrong, when you get absolutely yard sailed, just be calm. Yeah. Just relax. Yeah. Don't stress out. It's going to be over soon. You'll pop back up, paddle back out, go catch another wave. Like just that concept and that mentality relates so well to life. And then the next wave you could catch might be the best one of your life. 100%. It's like, as well, it all comes down to like your your mental mind. Like if you if you're so amped up, and you are so peaking, it's just shit's gonna shit's gonna hit you way harder than if you're sitting back down here. It's like if you have too much coffee. I've had I've I've done this before. I've had too much coffee and I've got in the water. I just can't get my heart rate down. It just won't go down. Like obviously, coffee's are probably not that good for you. But I drink athletic greens. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little plug. <laughs> Plug that in. I really like it, but <laughs> um, no, it's a it's one of those things. I've jumped in the water before where I've had too much coffee on a big day, and yep. I've just things just went sideways real quickly. I just caught caught out, and it's like you can never. It's like you can never catch back up. Mm. It's like you just. It's too late. You're out the back. You're getting smashed. You can't drop your heart rate out, so you're panicking flat out, and it's like yeah, it's pretty interesting. That feeling when your heart rate spikes and you see more waves coming, and you're like, <laughs> I'm in the wrong spot right now. Yeah. I'm in the wrong sport. I'm in the wrong ocean. I'm in the wrong everything. But like you said, you just got to be calm and, and get through it. I had, like, recently, I had probably the scariest <clears throat> the one happened when I was over in New Zealand, like a couple, like a month or so ago. And I was, um, I was at, I won't say the location, but I was at this spot that's like pretty hectic. Like it was massive swell. And, um, I went out through this little cave and I popped out and I was like, it's pretty big out here, eh? Like this is this is big and there's like this little bay and then there's like a massive rock down the beach. And I was um, sitting right in the middle and then I sort of stopped and then everything sort of, the sweep stopped. And I, when that usually happens is like it's the, the slack tide and shit's about to get real. And I reckon within 15 minutes it just went bang. And because I, I just couldn't get in fast enough, it started hooking towards this rock and I was like, holy shit, I can't, I literally can't swim against this. 
So I'm flying towards this rock and I'm going, oh, if I get washed up on the front of this, I don't actually know what I'm going to do yet. And it was the first time where I'm like, I wasn't panicking because I was like, I'm going to need every bit of energy if I get smacked on this rock because I'm just going to be on this cliff face with this wave, like, waves just, coming waves just smacking you. And I was, I was like, oh my God, my camera, the one thing that was going through my head, I had the house of blood at the time and I was like, going, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt my camera. What am I going to do with a camera? <laughs> I'm thinking camera first, me second, which is probably not the best way to think. But then like I was with out there with Takesh and he, um, he saw me and he thought I was waving, throwing the shuckers. And I was like, nah, bro, come out. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get in. Like I, I knew that there was no way I was going to get in. So he paddles back out and he, he like grabbed hold of the leash and he starts paddling across. And we're like probably three or four metres away from this rock. Like it's literally right there. If one more wave had to come, we would have been on top of the – both of us would have been on top of the rock. Oh. And I was kicking flat out. He was paddling and we sort of just got around it. And then it sort of just went – it goes quiet right behind the rock. And we sort of looked at each other, didn't really say anything. And then we got to the beach and we both went, holy fuck. <laughs> like that was insane. Like – what was that? And I was like, whoa, I just got humbled so quickly. Even though I knew it was probably going to happen, it happened and whoa. It's that a was, lot, isn't it? Yeah, it was a lot. But yeah. Dude, I know the uh, I know the feeling. I got pushed down from Rainbow all the way down to Kira. And there's like the, you know, the rock wall behind Kira. Yeah. I like, got pushed down. I was like, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm all good. I'll just paddle in or whatever. And then you get kind of like swept up in it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh shit, this is this is not okay now. And you're like kind of still like, no, nah, no, nah, we're good. And then you're like, no, nah, I'm fully no control. I'm yeah. just, got, the ocean can do what it wants with me right now. <laughs> and it's that feeling of like, you go from, oh, I'm all good to, nah, this is, this could go yeah. bad. And I thought I was going to get thrown to the rocks. Luckily I just went around and paddled out of it. But like that feeling of just like, I don't know what I'm going to do if this happens. Like obviously you got to kind of think on the fly, but yeah. oh man, it's, I think it's a beautiful it's thing though. It's like, yeah, that humbling experience of like nature's teaching you. Like I feel like the ocean has been my biggest teacher and like forever. And like those situations, it's like, can you surrender to this situation right now or are you going to try to fight it? Because I tell you right now, in those situations with massive waves or things going wrong in the water, unfortunately nature's way more stronger than you are and you're not going to be able to do shit about it yeah you're not in a good place are you? yeah oh man what's your most memorable moment out in the water shooting oh that's a good question that is a really good question i don't know how to answer that one i've had too many good what's the times. first one that comes to mind oh uh, new zealand was pretty cool was I, I just loved the landscape it was a bit different um noosa when the first time I swam out Noosa at Tea Tree up there, I was like, this is so fucking sick. Like, And then if I was to say there's one beach that really I, I fell in love with straight away would have to be Bells, Bells Beach. The first time I went out there, I was just, I just get, <laughs> I'll never forget last time, well, this year when I was down there, I was in the water at Bells and there wasn't really much going on and Sally Fitz pedals up to me and we were sitting there chatting away and, she goes, oh, what are you, what are you taking photos of? Because there's no one over there. And she's like, Kelly Slade is sitting up the lineup. And I was like, oh, the rock face is pretty sick, eh? And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, the fucking rock face. I'm just frothing out on the rock face. She's like, you've got Kelly Slade right there and you're taking photos of the rock face at Bells Beach. I was like, yeah, but it looks pretty cool. Then she turns around and goes, oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> 
it wasn't that yeah why like that's the thing if you think something's cool it doesn't matter what someone else thinks no. of it if you're like this is i'll just go off on little tangents i'll just be like oh that's really cool and i'll be focusing on this one little section in front of me for like 45 minutes and people are getting barreled in front of me and i don't care you know you're not fat phased no because you were down there for the wsl weren't you yeah how often do you go shoot at something like that yeah not not so much like it's it's pretty hard yakker in the that world um i sort of went down there to because it's my favorite spot to be so i really wanted to go there and um work with a few people but yeah i don't know it's a it's an interesting one it's just competition surfing sometimes not necessarily what i like to do and like it's just i wouldn't say it's boring but it's Is like it a bit of a it's a bit of a weird world like there's a lot of competition and not just like obviously the competing in as a surfer but as a photographer and being out in the water and getting in someone's shot or being in the way or is that is that a factor that comes into play not so much like not in my head it doesn't <laughs> it probably does but if i'm if i'm doing it like the the thing that it comes down to is like uh, what story am i telling first of all like is there going to be a story to tell here or is there not going to be a story to tell if i can't find that then it really it's really hard for me to get motivated and i mean like anything like if there's no if i just get told this is it this is it and i'm not really in it it's like my heart has to be 100 percent into it like it's really really cool to to jump in and tell like a story about somebody or a situation or an event that's happening what's the deeper meaning behind this and how can we articulate that across the audience and get somebody to feel what it's like to be here or it's creating an emotion isn't it yeah yeah i think that's like i think we we tapped on this yesterday in a little chat it's like people don't sort of understand the back end of like i think drive to survive does a pretty good pretty good like sort of on it where they sort of tap into the behind the the scenes of things and like what it actually takes to get to the track what is the back end thing that motivates you to be to where you are like i'd love to do one with you it's actually i might as well tell you now like i think it'd be sick to like tell a story behind you about how you do what you do like mm. i think it'd be that to me motivates me because then i'm like fuck yeah if we can get that across it's like imagine how cool that would be like if somebody can just have a little glimpse into like what your mindset is to get to where you are yeah. where it's like the smallest little things of like what do you eat or what mindset is it going into what challenges you and yeah yeah i think like you touched on that like telling creating emotions through a story is so powerful and you don't you can't really quantify the effect that has on the different people and the amount that like that like a good story like a really good positive uplifting story can change someone's life forever and you can give them the tools within themselves to be like oh, i can do it i can do that he did that and this is how he did it and it's like that like you can't you can't really put a value on it sometimes of how far that can go and like you said that's similar to like what you said like me and um sam purdy when we were filming stuff it's like i want to tell a story i want to inspire people to do more or be more or like change their life or step out of their comfort zone and obviously writing is that kind of platform that i can use to do that but there's so much more that goes into being in it, like how you train how you eat how you sleep how you think what you read who you surround yourself with like that's all part of that story that create who yeah. you are and like you said if you can capture that and then get that across to people i think that's yeah it's such a it's such an art as well to be able to do it yeah i think it's interesting as well because like i've, I've obviously been taking photos for quite a long time but 
only recent, like I would say recently, within the last eight, eight so months, I really started to get right into the video making side of things. And it's only because like, I was like, I'm sort of, I don't know what it is, but I think it's missing something. Like I love still, I still love taking a photo and telling stories with a photo, but I feel like with movies, I can't remember who's, there was a, on the podcast I listened to it anyway, it was a quote that basically said that um, a picture can tell a thousand words. So imagine what a movie could do. Mm. I was like, fuck, you're right. It's like, a lot of pictures. There's a lot of pictures. Like if you think about you're shooting like 20 frame, 25 frames a second, yeah. right? that's 25 frames a second. So like, imagine that's, that's a lot of information going through. So if I can get somebody to feel on a deeper level and just tap into that in a positive way too, not not like a controlling way because some movies, you know, like they send you down these narratives and you're like so invested. Like it's like you listen to people who are watching reality TV shows and stuff. Like they're so invested in other people's lives. Like I don't want that. I want I want to tell a story where you're invested to change your life and you get motivated off that, not caught up in the drama or the shit that goes along with it. It's like how can we tell an authentic story to motivate you to – do something outside of your comfort zone that maybe you've been putting off. Mm. That's yeah. that whole thing, that mentality to be like, oh, they did it, why can't I? Yeah. And then they show you how they did it and it's like all the information you've ever needed to do the thing you want to do is right there. Yeah. You just have to tap into it and then actually then implement that in your own life. But it's right there. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a gap of like, I know you kind of do this because I follow a lot of stuff that you do, but like the teaching the younger generations like what it actually takes to to do stuff like like young kids in the sport right it's like how do you show them something that they can do that maybe they didn't know that they could do mm. it's like it's not that unaccessible like you could be on the greatest scale right it's not it's not like they're doing crazy amounts of like different stuff it's just they're doing the right stuff mm. how do you implement that into what you're doing my biggest thing as well with dealing with younger like kids that are athletes, my biggest thing that I've noticed that is the easiest thing to do as well is just have belief in mm. what they're doing. Like that, that will outweigh any, like the fitness, the bike skill, the whatever it is. If you believe in someone and then that belief then transforms into themselves, like that's pretty insane. Like how, how, how far that can push someone. Yeah. No, yeah. that's awesome. I can hear a rake, yeah. Yeah, something, something <laughs> going on out there. I was like, I hear something, I was like, what's going on? Um, yeah, but if you, yeah, believing in someone. And I think the thing that separate really good athletes from mediocre athletes is the belief they have in themselves. And you'll see time and time again, someone will finally win a championship or they'll finally win a game or they'll do something. And like, they won't get fitter, they won't get smarter, they won't get stronger. And then the next game they'll show up again and then they'll yeah. show up again. And it's like, because they believe. They yeah. believe that what, they've been training and trying so hard to do for so long is actually obtainable yeah. when they attain it, they can keep doing it. And yeah, it's for such sure. a, it's such a tricky thing to maintain and hold on to. But oh, once yeah. you can grab a hold of it, you just see people take off. And that's the thing I'm trying to like instill in, in up and coming races. Like you can do this. Yeah. And I think someone that has done it telling you that it just, it just builds that belief that you can and then you, you will. Yeah. No, it's like a, with the, the belief side of things is, something I've struggled on like personally for a long time, like just not believing that you're good enough and all this stuff stems from like childhood that I've worked on for so long. And I would only say like within the last, I don't know, maybe a year, I'm starting to really 
grasp that on a deeper level. Like it's it's so interesting because it's like people will say like, oh, you're really confident in what you do and you're really – yeah, but if I don't believe it, it doesn't happen. And so that that's what you're saying. It's like if you can help people believe in themselves, what they can achieve outside of that is just – I'll tell you an interesting one. Did you watch the – What's that one with the Selena, Selena, no, the Williams sisters? Oh, yeah, um, King Richard. Yes, like, yeah, that's a bit excessive, but he believed so hard and he instilled that within them and they became something that wasn't by mistake. That was by literally crafting and that belief system within themselves to then allow them to achieve mm. anything that's possible. Like, without that, like, it's really hard to achieve shit. <laughs> well, just people don't have, like, it's hard for people to believe in themselves if no one else does. Mm. That comes back to the tall poppy syndrome and what we have in Australia where you'll be like, oh, I want to be this. And then all your friends will be like, you can't be that. Yeah. And like you're already hot, you're, you're grasping onto this barely. Yeah. And then all your friends rip it out of your hands even more. You're like, okay, well, I won't. So like to anyone listening to this right now, like think about one thing in your life that you really, really want to try and do and then just believe you can. Just do it. And then just do it. Yeah. And just see what happens yeah. like just see what happens but just go into it with the belief like i can write a book i can lose weight yeah. i can do that write it down yeah write it down right and then even the thing that other people don't do they don't put a date on things they just say yeah. i want to do something and i always say one day is code for never yeah. so if you say okay i want to write a book or i want to lose weight or i want to do whatever it is put a date three months in the future and be like by this date i want to i would i want to have done 50% of what I've said yeah, or 20% or something, but give yourself a yeah, date that, that you can actually like, then you've got to work towards that because it's otherwise it's just out in the open. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it then. Yeah. I really hate when people say one day, it's like, oh, one day I'll do that. It's like, that's never man. Like, you called me out of my bullshit. Yeah. You have to write my book. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Or just put a date on it that you yeah. can start at least. So then you're putting work towards yeah, the date. I love it. But yeah, a lot of people don't do that. And I think it's, a, I think it's a really powerful, positive thing you can do. And it comes back to, you know, you had your friend that's like, come to Oktoberfest. Yeah. Like, just step outside of your comfort zone and just do something new. Yeah. Like, and I think that's so powerful. That's something that I think in the back of my mind has always been like, like, oh man, the amount of times where I've just been like, I just want to just kind of stop what I'm doing now and kind of just honestly just become a yes man for a year and just see where that would take me. Like how, like, like my friend Cooper Chapman just went to Bali, Bali and I'm, I'm rode past his house and he was just walking in so i just went down and caught up with him and he's like oh i'm going to bali tomorrow and he's like oh you should come and like all of my body is saying <laughs> get on that plane because i don't know how that's going to turn out yeah and it's just like i'm that to me seems like that's what life is about yeah and i have the ability to be able to do that like luckily how i've like set my life up and whatnot but because of the racing it's like i can't just do, yeah. i can't do that but then it's just like you get pulled away with what you feel like every fiber of your being wants to do to do something that you're kind of questioning at the same time. So it's like, I'm still in, yeah, that's for another time. But yeah, that's kind of in the point where it's like, just step out and do that stuff and look at your friend pulling you over to do that has then got you to where you are. Changed my life. Yeah. From just that thing of like crazy. And you would have never thought that going to Oktoberfest would then result in you becoming a ph photographer, videographer. Not a chance. <laughs> Absolutely. It was not my intention one bit. Mm. People are like, oh, you must have, like, yeah, I've done it. Like, I enjoyed it. But there was no way that I thought that that's how it was going to pan out. Mm. That's the cool thing. I shouldn't know what's going to come next. And that's like the, 
the big thing and like have you ever watched the Yes theory? No, I haven't. They're like massive on, on the tube. And they they basically is um they've got their slogans called Seek Uncomfort. And basically they literally just they do random things where they'll go up to people in the airport and go, Do you want to jump on a plane and come here? And they'll pay for everything. And the amount of people that won't do it just out of oh no, I've got to do this or I've got to do this. Crazy, but then the people who do it, they just go off on these random trips, and or they push themselves to the limit of just saying yes. Well, why not? Just do it. Whatever happens, happens. It's so exciting, man! The amount of times where I've I've ended up in some random place with a bunch of people, I have no idea who they are, and I think it's just that's to me that's really living. Yeah, is experiencing new people, new places, new cultures, new ways of being, new food. And not having any plan whatsoever of how I got there or how I'll get out and just going into it be like, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And let's just go with that. And I feel like I get so much fulfillment and happiness from doing that, that it's like, well, why can't you? Like, I, I always just, it's like obviously trying to maintain a, like a relationship with being that kind of person and yeah. also like being able to maintain relationships within families and stuff. But I just, yeah, the idea of just being able to travel and then and then interviewing people like the podcasting like that's a goal of mine now is to travel be that yes man and then take those little dgi mics and just interview people in random spots like okay i just met someone in brazil on a hike chat to them about something to do with yeah life yeah life yeah like this like i was saying to you before i came on here it's like oh what are we going to talk about like i haven't this is my my first podcast i was like i don't fucking know what i'm going to talk about and i was like sort of thinking about you sent me through a couple things and i'm like what about we just go for it? And, you, and when you come in here and you're like, I usually just like to go for it. And look, at we've just gone off on this whole different rant. We're talking about cool stuff that like, that we're both pretty passionate about. And then that, that I feel like that is what life is about. It's like, it should never be like this whole, people go to me like, oh, how do you, like let's say if I'm doing a, a photo or something like that. And if I'm doing a shoot with somebody, they go, oh, do you have like a mood board or something? I'm like, no, my mood board's up here and it will happen when it's meant to happen. Yeah. And if it's not meant to happen, it won't happen. It's like I I hold I believe in that so much that all my photos come when I'm tapped in on this deeper level of just believing that the process will come on. Like even when it comes down to like a, a corporate job, I'll have quite a bit of structure to that because it's obviously a little bit more intense, but to the majority of things, sometimes I just wing it. I can I can literally just go, actually, I need to pivot right now and this is we're gonna run with this. Because it's really cool. And it's the same as like if you're traveling and you just say yes or you meet some random person, that one person in Brazil that you're doing a podcast with could completely change the perspective on your life in an instant. Like, mm. And that's... That's life. And that's such a cool thing. It's funny because the amount of people that I'll be like, hey, we should do a podcast. And this is after meeting them and chatting to them for, I don't know, three or four hours, like just randomly meeting someone. I'm like, oh, we should do a podcast. And they're like, what are we going to talk about? And I was like... I don't know. We've just been talking for the last two hours. Yeah. But I think I think people underestimate how interesting they actually are and the stories they have to tell. Yeah. And I like this format of kind of like in my head, I thought of things to ask you. So there's stuff there. But I think when, and I've done it in the past where I've written down questions and then I feel so invested in the questions that I don't kind of, you'll say something instead of going off on that. And like people are always like, oh, sorry, we're off on a bit of a tangent. I'm like, perfect. This is yeah. this doesn't need to be structured. Like, who who cares? Like, just if you feel like saying something, that's what you should say. And I feel like when people have so much like question answer, 
it's kind of dry. Yeah. And you're always trying to like pull back to something where if you just let it flow in the direction that it should go, I think people enjoy that kind of conversation because it's more like what we're talking about now is what we'd be talking about anyway. Yeah. And it's not like, okay, Devin, what did you do here? And what and it's yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. very dry and I don't think people engage with that properly where I think people just want to f- feel like they know you. Yeah, authenticity. It's like the deeper level of like we're, we're becoming in an age right now where we're moving so into technology and like technology is really taking over. Like AI and shit's really getting fucking real, right? But the one thing that's never going to be able to be replaced is authenticity. Like we move so far away from like you see the brands, like big brands around the world now really tapping into this more and more, but it's like how do we be relatable like how can we be relatable to the end consumer or the end audience and what does that look like? Like how does that, like if, if someone's listening to this, right, I want to be able to feel like they know me or you and on not just like this has happened here, this happened here, this is how it happened. This is just how I am. It's like if you were to meet me down the street, it'd be the same. Like this is how I conduct myself on a day-to-day basis. Like that's real. That's... That is where we need to head, I feel like, in in the future. It's like, how about we get more real and stop trying to be this perfect human being that it's never going to exist. Like, you look on social media, it's really started to shape people's lives and, like, I have to look this way or I have to be like this and I have to do that. How about you just be you? How about you be comfortable with that, start off with, and then move from there? I think it's a lot of people are scared to be themselves because they – their authentic self might not be viewed by like likes or views or all these other things as highly. And then that's kind of narrating their life choices now because it's, they're living through what other people think they should do or how they should look. Or like, for example, I post a photo of something I think is really cool. No one likes it. Mm. Like whether it's like I'm shooting photography and I am like, Oh, this is sick. I'm really into this. So I post it and then no one likes it. So then I post something that is something that I'm like, whatever, this or that and heaps of people like it so it's like you're kind of making me do th- well you're not you're not making me but i'm making myself yeah. but it's through the reaction no, i'm getting from other people but then it comes back to create like being a creative person shouldn't matter what how it's received yeah like painting a picture you shouldn't paint a picture of how you think people will like that or whatever it's like you should paint a picture because this is how i want to paint a picture yeah and it doesn't really matter what if people like it or don't like it it's just like this is what i created but we get so put into this okay you've got to look like that because that'll get you the most this and if you post it now that'll get the most of that and yeah. it's like our our whole lives are so determined on like views money and likes mm. and we get so driven down this lane of okay do this and you'll get this yeah. do that and you'll get that. and at the end of the day like who cares but it's not necessarily true either oh it's what it's a story you tell yourself like the casey neistat right for example is like the most authentic fucking vlogger of all history and he's like the goat Mm. and he's probably made more money than most people same with mr beast right these people are not this structured they just do shit and they're just yeah but i still think with because i know i know a couple youtubers and they've got like a like million subs and stuff and and I know even on my small scale, you start to kind of live through what you think other people will want. And I know mm. some people are like authentic and do what they want, but there's a part of your brain that's thinking, if I do this, this will be good because people will be like, like it's it plays a role. Yeah. Like, and I think it's it's very easily, especially in the vlogging world, to get caught up in what am I doing for me and what am I doing for the viewers, and how is that affecting my normal life? Yeah. And that's something that I've 
dabbled with very like there's certain things where I'm like, oh, this would be really cool to do and then film. And I think it would make your life cool because you're always doing cool stuff because you want people to see you doing cool stuff. But am I doing this for me or am I doing this for the viewers? Yeah. And that's a fine line that you've kind of got to dance on. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like one of the things that I never forget I've got told. It's like if you, you go to Instagram, for example, it's like if you have like I remember in school, right, I never did any any public speaking. I flat out refused it, hate it, right? But if I was to like have a hundred people watch a video of mine, I would never talk in front of a hundred people in my life. Mm. But like if twenty people care about what you do, that's fucking a lot of people. It's a lot of people. That's pretty cool. That's a good that's a good spot to start. It's like you can then look and place judgment on other people and be like, I wish I was them or I wish I had it's like they also didn't just get there by mistake either. Like they've obviously worked on something and they've just done their thing. Like if you do your thing, but if you try to copy somebody else, you're just going to probably not get there anyway because it's already been fulfilled by that person. Mm. So it's like just be true to yourself and like there's obviously some sort of element with the social media world and obviously the content you create that's that obviously comes into it. It's not like it's oblivious and it's just like, be your authentic self and don't do anything. But at the same time, it's like if you choose to only be your authentic self, then just do that. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah, just way easier. Way less pressure. Way you're going to find that it flows a lot easier and then it'll probably end up leaving to abundance and flowing in other areas and money might come in faster than you ever thought it would. And it's like just from being true to yourself and mm-hmm. like that's that's a scary thought in itself. I do think it's impossible to do with just like, I think we're up to like 63, I've done 63 podcasts or something. It's like, it's hard to hide who you are for that long over that many hours of recordings. Like, yeah. It's like, I always say, and I always like when people come up to me like, I like the podcast. I'm like, oh, that's, that means you like me. Yeah. Because you can't fake that for that amount of time. Yeah. So that's one positive thing about doing this as I really enjoy that. And I like the reaction it gets, but yeah, a lot of people, I think, try and hide who they are through just photos and 10 second mm. videos and that's easy to kind of hide behind that because you don't get as much personal information through that person. Um, we just touched on as well, you're talking about the whole, the world's becoming more invested in technology and the way it's going. How as a creative now has AI affected your work in a negative and a positive? Depends how you look at it. Start off with because I don't know if there's a negative at the moment. Because you can get caught up in... I guess the negative I would say is like it can create, like AI can create images and photos and this goes This goes back into what we are just talking about. If you can be authentic, there's no there's no technology in the world that's ever going to be able to, to replicate that deeper level. Because that, that comes down from your, whatever your, like the podcast for example. Like yeah, you can go and create like um, voices and clone voices and have a... a fucking podcast and make the person fake whatever like deep fakes whatever but can they have the deep level conversation that knows that you have in your experience in your life it's always going to be different because you can never you can never tap into that because no no ai has been through the shit that you've been through but just playing devil's advocate here just say you take a photo of and i saw this online you take a photo of like a city it's all bluebird and you put into AI and say, oh, can you do this but add clouds and stuff? Yeah. And it will come and change and alter it. Do you think that's kind of – because then you've got photographers that it's like you're kind of making this perfect picture and obviously you're, work, you're taking the photos as well, but then you're getting AI to 
remaster, change color, and it's kind of, I guess that could be seen as a negative, but also as a positive is like it's making it better, but then it's not you actually. That's what that's only negative. I yeah, I, it's it's a it's interesting one because it's like it, it's different. I would just say it's different because the the first one says if you can't see the beauty in the first one, then that's okay because you've got a different intention than what I do. For example, like I I've been playing around with using like it turning my photos into like a painting sort of a situation, and like I like it because it's different. Like I'm not saying that that's my end result, but like I can have two different things now from the one. So like it's it's enhancing what I can what I can do, and it's pushing my creativity faster. Like because then I can say it's going to take over my job or it's going to do, you know, it could for sure. But if I don't learn how to use it, then maybe I'm going to get caught up with it too. Like that's the whole other thing. It's like, can you learn to use it to your advantage and how far can you take it to push your output to, to make stuff that you like doing? Like, what does that look like? Because I can tell you right now, it saved me so much time in my life using AI technologies even though that there is downfalls, it's it's just being able to be honest and accept that that's just how things are. Yeah, not fight against it so much. Yeah, yeah. Put clouds in the sky if you want. I don't, I don't care. What I like you, no clouds. What do you think <laughs> the the danger is with it, or do you feel like there's going to be a risk where if it gets the like how far it goes? Because I heard a thing the other day where obviously a lot of people like kind of doomsday and it's going to wreck everything. Oh, we're fucked. And <laughs> You reckon you think it's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how long, but... You think it's going to go bad? Yeah, for sure. I don't think it's... Like, technology is powerful, like, really powerful. And some people get in the wrong hands, can use it. It's like when you watch these movies and shit happens and you're like, there's no way that's going to ever happen in real life. Transformers. It's happening. Not Transformers. It's happening. Um, Well, Transformers would be one, wouldn't it, really? Yeah, well, it's no, no... Terminator. What's not saying that a car can't turn into a bloody... Skynet. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, I don't know, there is obviously, like the, I haven't really played around with the AI where it generates the photos from scratch, like just text-based. I understand there's obviously some sort of um, like creative skill involved of writing the right things to get that, but I've just never, it's just not my thing. I just enjoy doing it myself. But if other people like doing it and it's a way for them to get creative and it like, cause the creative side of a human is like tapping in the feminine. So like if people can start then being more creative and having a more balanced life because they can tap into that feminine side of their life, then I'm all for it. You're, you're pro AI and up to an extent. Yeah. I'm pro. I'm, I'm just pro things up into the point where it takes over and yeah. you're enslaved by it. Yeah. But it's like a, if I don't have control over it, which I don't, yeah. it's like... Uh, it's like when you're in the wave. What the fuck am I supposed to do? I can't just... I can't negatively talk on it and be like, oh, take it away because shit's not going away. Mm. So it's like, how about I just accept and learn how to use that to the best of my advantage to, I guess, live a... a how can I take things out of my life that I don't like doing mm. and make writing emails, for example, some sometimes like just writing email to the way it's supposed to be without... Fully getting caught up in like if it's a business email and like getting caught up in like an emotional state of like getting fucking angry or something. It's like yeah. how do I take myself away from that and just try to articulate what I'm trying to say in a professional way? Yeah, I get you. One one example. I did hear a thing not too long ago that kind of made because I think the same thing. I think it's uh, I think we're in the, going the right direction to kind of 
Boom. <laughs> something that's not good. But then someone said this thing. It's like the smarter people get on this planet, the more they want to help this planet. Mm. So if you got something that is smarter than us, it could possibly be like, all right, well, I actually want to help create a better utopia of this world or planet or whatever instead yeah. of doing the opposite of but then i guess it comes back to if it saw us it's like okay well you guys are not doing a good job of looking after it you're the problem yeah seeing it from that side if you go back to like even not ai right you think about like the where we came from like in the horts and car like back in those days before we had cars and shit like the earth was pretty cool and then we fucked it up then and now we're just doing it again but with the different, completely different thing that we also created. Mm. So it's like if people get caught up in like the AI is just ruining the world, it's like, yeah, well, we've been driving around cars and putting fucking emissions into the bloody Earth's atmosphere and destroying shit for way longer than you didn't care then. So like what? why are you caring now? It's like it's only because you can't control it yeah. and people are getting scared. Which is cool, but, like, it's also, like, challenging people now to be, like, as you said, helping, like, maybe maybe we can save shit. Maybe things might get better. Who like, knows? Like you said, we're along for the ride. We don't know where it's going to go, but mm. definitely it's going to be interesting. Next 10 years. Oh, man. I'd, I'd, next like, year. Next, next 10 years. Next I'd, week. That's next week. Like, I, I generally don't think right now, like, I think back to, like, if you went into school, like, if you were at university, fuck me. Like, within, like, Two weeks from now, the shit that you knew, like, two weeks ago, it's probably irrelevant in a lot of areas, like, and that's scary. Well, isn't it something, like, every day there's more information created than, like, we would create in, like, 10 years? Mm. Like, it's, like, every day so much information is produced and pushed out. Yeah. It's and and that, that's, like, and then that's sort of, like, the, the ethos and, like, the, the AI technologies, right? Goes back and let's, let's go full 360 here and let's go back to the gambling and the that sort of side. AI can be like that. Like, it can be addictive. Like, people are going to get addicted to it because they're living in a reality that doesn't exist necessarily in the the third dimension, mm. right? So, if people are going to go down that rabbit hole, it can get real dangerous real quick. Like, VR games, like, this whole... They don't have to talk to people anymore, man. Like, that's... Well, even if you've got AI that's like, a, just say, you get a robot or something that knows emotions that knows you, that knows everything about you, that knows you better than you know yourself, that knows when you need love, that knows when you need food, that knows, like, real connection with people is going to get, I don't know what you even call it, it's going to get st really strange. Like, it could be like, okay, and it, c it could be seen as a positive for a lot of these, like, like men or women that feel very isolated and alone. Mm. Okay, now you've got this robot that will do everything you want it to do, be there when you want it to be, everything like that. Why do I need normal p person connection? Have you seen Black Mirror? I've seen, yeah. So. <sighs> and then it comes Sweet. back to this is the whole thing. Then it comes back to, I guess, this. And this is another point that I heard because there's a whole like idea of population collapse. They think, yeah. Because obviously people aren't reproducing or want to. And it's a massive, massive issue that's coming. I think Japan went backwards in population by like 100,000 people. like the first time in years that they've gone backwards. But then I heard this good point as well where it's like if we're striving so f like full-throttled for AI and creating these robots because the thing is they don't think we'll have pe like care is or like there's going to be such a old generation that aren't going to be able to be cared for for the younger generation but then this person's point was well we're creating robots and AI and all that and they can kind of fill that gap so it's this weird thing where it's like we're just going to have lots of robots 
not that many young people and heaps of old people. Mm. How long is that going to pan out until like, and where's the balance going to go with that as well? So weird, 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 weird time. Oh man, it's like, yeah, as I said, I don't, I don't know if I can. Think about when you were a kid, do you think you'd be talking about AI becoming a real thing? I think, do you know what's like crazy? It's like, I think about the, my cameras and stuff, right? Taking photos in the memory card. Man, when I was in school, I had a floppy disk with 512 megabytes that could fit onto that. That's it. That's like three photos on my camera. Three photos I could put on that. Like, and this is like, it's crazy dial-up internet. Dial-up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Starlink, yeah. yeah. What, like, it's the smallest things, like, and then, to be honest with you, I'm pretty grateful that I grew up when I did, because, like, even... I think we got the perfect time. We did, like, like going, going riding your bike, or going to build a cubby house, or what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm just going to go, like, climb some trees or some mm. shit, like... This like, is what I did anyway. I got like, like a phone at like 18. Yeah. Which is I like was, the, almost the perfect thing. Because I was like, going on road trips and mum's like, how do I contact you? That was it. But how like how good is that? I look at like, oh man, like imagine trying to be focused as a kid at I, school. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I literally could not do it. Like this, there's so many things that like you see kids. Like I've seen it right, when you go out for dinner or something. The family's sitting there and there's three kids sitting there with their iPads. And I'm like... What even is that? Mm. Like, I wasn't allowed to leave the table until I finished dinner, you know? Like, and they're just sitting at the table watching. Like, what does that look like? Like, we're, I think we've been going down this path for such a long time. And, and they order dinner off a QR code on the table so they didn't oh connect man. with the waitress or the waiter and they got their food dropped off and they, yeah, it's... But, uh, yeah, if you, can, if you can break through it, I feel like... Like, that's where it gives me motivation to do what I do. Like, I feel like storytelling on that deeper level is, like... That's where I'm breaking through. That's my that's my thing. Like that's what I do. And as long as I do that and I'm true to that, like no AI will be able to catch up with me. Yeah. Especially if I'm using it along with me. So you won't be able to catch up. He'll just be here with yeah. you. Yeah. He's like your Robin. What your, is it? What's that word? You, you can't beat him, join him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I'm joining him. So he's like your your Batman and Robin's yeah. AI and you're just gonna take over Gotham. And yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, Robin can help me out. I like it. All right, we're gonna wrap this up because we've got a few questions. I always end with these questions because we've been going almost almost two hours. Yeah. By the time we get through these questions, probably two hours. Yeah. What is something if you could go back in your life and change something, what do you reckon that would be? If you could go back and, and alter something or do something different and then – because it's hard because everyone always like, oh, well, I'm in a good place now and I'm happy now so I wouldn't want to change anything. For me, if I go back, I'd read more books. I'd be more curious. That was kind of the thing that I would like say to yeah. kind of trigger something. But if you have something I'd love in mind, to, um I'd love to have learned more like learnt languages in school probably. That would, that would have been a cool one. Um, when you're young and your brain can actually yeah, that'd be really process cool. it in a way. I'd high. love to be able to speak like four languages now. I think that'd be really sick. If I could change that, I definitely would. Man, to be honest, like if I didn't have to go to the bottom, like and get to that deep fucking bad space and my mental health, I'd rather not have gone there. Like, yeah, but then I know I'm in a good spot now, but like it'd be nice to be in this good spot without having to go there. Yeah, but I've heard, I heard a thing. It's like for your, what is it, for your for your leaves and your branches to touch heaven, your roots need to go to hell. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I, I don't, it's not like it's a worse thing, but I'm, if yeah, I could, I changed yeah. it and I didn't have to go through that. 
Then I just don't think it. No, it's it, not reality. It's not reality. <laughs> it's just like you're like I want to get fit, but I want to work out. Yeah. It's like you got to you got to go through the pain to get the yeah, yeah, result. Yeah. yeah. I do know what you mean though. Yeah, think, but yeah. that's probably it. Like languages and. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably. What are you scared of? Oh. That's a really good one. What am I scared of? Probably scared of failing, maybe, but not at the same time. Like it's a it's a weird it's like almost scared that maybe I'm not good enough. Like and that goes back into the what I was talking about before, like the belief in myself. That's probably like that the belief that maybe was I wrong? Do you know what I mean? Kind of not scared on failing, but scared on not giving enough or not giving. Yeah. Not. I always feel like, like you're good enough to do the thing. It's like it doesn't matter if you get fired from the job, but you're kind of scared of not giving it everything. Yeah. In the job. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 How do you want to be remembered? Well, I think it's just being authentic and being me, like being being the strongest version of myself that allows other people to be lifted up around me. Nice. That's probably a good one, yeah. I like that. And now, so I get the last guest asked questions, and that's the next guest. So the last guest asked, if you could have any job in the world, money's not an issue, anything, what do you think you'd want to do and why? Oh, that's a good one, what I'm doing, to be honest. I, I literally, like, have touched on this a lot recently, like really thinking about if I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now, what would it be? I really like what I do. Like maybe I could travel a little bit more. That'd be really cool if I could travel around the world and doing it and probably the only thing that I would do if, it, if money wasn't an issue, I'd be on a plane every day going to a new location, going to the fucking Africa or wherever it is. I think that's probably that's probably it, travel the world, learn new cultures. Do new things. Yeah. And tell stories in the process. Yeah. I think that would be, that'd be it. Nice, I like that. I'd sign off Let's on that. Let's go do it. Let's go. Where do you want to go first? Oh, man, I reckon Patagonia. Yeah. I reckon Patagonia would be sick. Oh, so many cool. Brazil. I do want to go to Brazil, actually. Nice. Let's, Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's find someone. We're going to be someone, you know, the top. What's the top of Rio de Janeiro? Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. It's like about. Mount Sugarloaf and then the the Jesus. I'm I'm, I'm mental blank right now, yeah. so I'm not even going to Anyway, try. when you go there, that'd be cool. Interview spot. You can set someone up cool. Now, you don't have to answer now unless you've got a que- any question in your head, but normally we ask the guest. You've got to ask the question for the guest, the next guest. But if you don't have something in your head right away, it doesn't matter because you can think of something and then I'll write it down and then the next ne- next guest gets that. Interesting. Should I try to come up with something now just because nah, it's just on we, the floor? You can, unless you've got something that you're like, I want to know this, it's all good, and then you can give you all the time in the world. All right, let's all right. do that. Let's give you wait. some time. Um, all right. Thank you, Devin Cooper. Anything you want to say, sign off. Where do people find you? Where do you any last words to say to the the listeners before we yeah, shoot well, off? Thanks for thanks for having me and having this awesome conversation. We've been putting it off for a little while and it's awesome to just jump in here and to, to get the first one out of the way. Um so yeah, thank you for that and to, to dive into the deeper conversations. It's really, really cool and hopefully the audience can take something from it. Um and if you can find me on the socials, it's just devincooper.co, D U V O N Cooper. Um, pretty well across every single platform it's the same so it's easy, Good, easy. It. any last words um, believe Stay. believe in yourself and just don't even worry about the the known just go for it Stay just da- do it just do it and stay dangerous
stay dangerous. <laughs> Sick. All right, man. Cheers. All right, cheers. <laughs> oh, go down the podcast. Yeah.